0: Welcome to the Girl Gang Craft Podcast, where we dive in deep to all things business, wellness, creativity, and activism for artists and entrepreneurs. We talk with impactful, female driven companies and founders for an inside look at the entrepreneurial experience, where you'll come away with tangible steps to elevate your business. Are you ready? I'm your host, Phoebe Sherman, founder of Girl Gang Craft, artist and designer and marketing obsessed. We're here to learn together how to expand our revenue, implement new organizational techniques and cultivate best business practices as we work towards creating a life, doing what we love. Let's get started. Hello, creatives. We are in November. How long earth did that happen this year flew by? I've personally lived in Salem for a year now and a little extra a year and a month. So we have our second to last podcast episode today. So, we'll have this podcast episode. We'll have one more next week. And then we are done for the holiday season, done for the rest of the year. And we'll start the season back up early next year, maybe late January, early February. So, we'll have a little bit of break here. But for three holiday season, let's go. I hope all you makers getting ready for various events and your sales are all ready to go and you're excited. And I wish the best. This quarter, for we here at Grogan Craft have a couple of things coming up. Of course, we have our holiday gift guide, and that is live from our site November 11th through January 11th. So you have a whole chunk of time to really shop that shoppable guide. It's from creatives, femme creatives all over the U.S. So if you can't make it to our shows, or you just want a little bit of holiday inspiration to really support the small business community this year, this is your shoppable guide. And I please hope that you pass it around. Send it around to your company. Everyone loves to support small businesses. So seriously, just send the holiday gift guide around. It's going to be at girlgangcraft.com slash gift guide. And you'll have tons of time to shop, right? Those two months, I do suggest getting your shopping done early this year, right? Getting those items into Your house early so you can get everything wrapped up and ready to go, and it's a little less stressful. Of course, we're going to have some Girl Gang Craft specific coupons and discounts for you on the gift guide. So, you really want to make sure that you check it out. It's really fun, and please pass it around. And then, of course, we have our two craft fairs coming up. We have Small Business Saturday here in Salem, November 26th. That's going to be at Old Town Hall. We have about 50 vendors there. It's going to be magical. And then, of course, we have our Oakland event the week after, December 3rd, Scottish Rite. We have 100 vendors there. So I hope you come in person to the craft fairs. If you can't, we have shoppable guides starting November 11th on our site where you can shop from so many, I think we have over 100 small businesses on the guide. So happy holidays, everyone. Let's hop into the episode. Hello, creatives. Welcome to Girl Gang Craft, the podcast. Super excited today. We have Kara from Whimsy Soul. She's a San Francisco, not born and raised, but she lives there in a little bit. I'll let her tell you your story, but I've been following her for a while. So I'm really excited to have her here on the podcast today. She was originally supposed to speak with us at the summit, which unfortunately we are not hosting in person this year. We're going to have a private little conversation with her. Welcome to the podcast, Kara. Thank you so much for having me. I know I was bummed about the conference,
1: but it can happen another time. You know, so is the way of the past few years,
0: unfortunately. (laughs) Nothing is guaranteed anymore. (laughs) Unfortunately, but we love a good podcast moment. So I'm excited to have you here. So thanks for joining us. Do you want to tell our community who you are and what it is that you do?
1: Yeah. So my name is Kara Harms and I'm the founder of Whimsy Soul, which is turning seven in like two days. So Whimsy Soul is a lifestyle website. We cover everything from detailed travel guides. You can take PTO confidence to size inclusive fashion. We tackle hardware conversations like mental health and fat phobia. And then sometimes we'll give you a little nerdy fandom cocktail recipe to drink while watching The Bachelor.
0: So we can kind of cover it all. I love it. And how did you get into any of this? What happened first?
1: (laughs) Yeah. So my husband, Robin and I, we moved to San Francisco from Wisconsin. We're done with the winters. We came out here right after college. And back then I thought I wanted to be an art director. I ended up working in social media a bit for startups and Instagram and blogging was just sort of blooming back then. This is 2014. So I really needed like a creative outlet when I just moved to the city. I didn't know anybody. So I started documenting my life on Instagram and pretty quickly, I was forming this great little community, having awesome conversations with women. I was meeting other bloggers in the city and it became just like a little side passion project that by 2017, so two years later after starting was my full-time job. And it's kind of just roller coastered from there.
0: I love it. Thank you so much for sharing. And it's so cool because I think I've been following you for like, I don't know, a while. So it's oh, cool to s- yeah, it's cool to see all the different variations of your business and how it's blossomed and grown. And so I'm really excited to talk to you about all of that. Yeah, it's definitely, it's changed a lot as the industry has evolved, yeah. Yeah, so do you think you were like more focused on fashion initially or, yeah, tell us a little bit about that beginning like Instagram stage.
1: Yeah, I mean like one of the first posts was, Robin, like lying on the street to take photos of my heels. We were definitely like very fashion based because I think, I don't know, you know, in the early 2000, like 2014, 2015, I feel like Instagram was just very fashion based and then travel kind of more had its moment. But yeah, I was like really heavily involved in fashion groups in college. So that's definitely where I started. And then as we started traveling the country a little bit more, AKA, we were really broke when we first moved out here and we had a little more money. We could start like doing road trips. I realized I loved documenting that. So it kind of just became more tandem, like hand in hand, fashion and travel. And then since we have evolved from that, but definitely very fashion-based at the beginning.
0: Okay. I want to talk about video because that's a really hot topic. And I think we're sort of jumping ahead here, but I want to talk about it. So (laughs) how did like video become a part of your Instagram content and what was that like for you? And then I want to talk about TikTok in a second, but let's talk about yeah, how you integrated it into your Instagram content first.
1: Yeah, so video actually I started doing YouTube first like before Instagram even allowed video content. Not really doing YouTube much anymore. It's so much trying to do YouTube and TikTok and Instagram all at once. But that's kind of where I started and then where Instagram opened up video. It took a really long time for me to figure out how to tackle video, but I haven't trying to figure that process out since Whenever they like let that happen, was that like 2018? I can't even remember when video became part of the platform anymore. But everything from doing like you know wine tasting segments on IGTV to short little video clips—it's been constantly evolving. I feel like we're in a good space now where it goes hand in hand with TikTok. I've kind of figured out how to make that work for me. But it's been a few years of playing with this new way of storytelling. It's different than taking photos.
0: Yeah, and I mean as someone who's so in the fashion world, right. And also with the travel world, there's sort of this aesthetic that comes along with the static images. And I mean, today you posted a beautiful photo of Big Sur with all these beautiful flowers. So what is the difference? Like, how does it feel to have sort of this really polished pen, maybe next to this Still polished, but less like aesthetically focused. Can you tell us a little bit about how you sort of started to explore that?
1: Yeah, I mean, I think it was really hard for everybody who has been out there for a while because nowadays the world wants, I'm going to blame this on Gen Z. They just want like the raw, authentic, real, unpolished versions, um, which is fair because I enjoy looking at that from other people too. And it took me a really long time to let go of the perfect feed and having everything be very like polished and like branded and everything like that so I think that's where a lot of creators get still hung up I see like my peers maybe not being able to let go of the polishedness because yeah like you can't edit a video in the same way you can edit a photo like I can't not tell you the amount of times I've like had to photoshop people out of background of photos because we just like couldn't wait for them to move and you can't do that in a video so definitely it can take a while but These days I'm like really comfortable just posting what I think my community needs from me. And then a lot of times that's like the very
0: unpolished stuff. As long as they're happy, I'm happy. I love that. Okay. So then putting in TikTok to this mix, and I just followed you on TikTok today because I wasn't following you. What has that experience been like for you? What do you find are the differences between the platforms? And do you find like your audience is different on both platforms? Oh yeah,
1: definitely. So TikTok is just a wild beast. The people that have started, like the community over there, they can be really mean, to be honest, because my main account over there is very travel-focused. It also went through a lot of iterations where I was exploring what is this account. And recently, it's very travel-focused and people can get really mean about it. Our Instagram family is very nice and loving. So sometimes I have to put up bigger barriers to what I'm like just engaging with on that platform. But at the same time, I really like posting there and I like sharing there and the type of content that does well there is like so different too. It's faster, you know, it's more information based while I feel like on Instagram, I get to connect on a one-on-one level a little bit better.
0: Can I ask like what kind of like mean (laughs) stuff is going on there and also how you handle that?
1: Yeah. I mean, like I post a lot of travel things. So there's always people who are like, wanting to gatekeep it. And they're like, you're destroying the planet because you're sharing this hiking trail or this waterfall. Like, you know, I'll go to a national park and they're like, how dare you post this? And I'm like, it's a national park. People know about it. And I have been able to use that anger a little bit to leverage growing my account because, you know, you can tap into that a little bit if you know it spark an emotional response from haters. You can use that to leverage yourself in a little bit. So in a way I have leaned into that a little bit and it has at the end of the day attracted the right people and the wrong people at the same time but like I can handle the trolls and the haters but it can get really bad like I've gotten death threats before from sharing swimming holes like I've had to like file police reports before because people can't handle a national someplace just being shared online so it can be really scary and it's not just me a lot of other of my friends who do travel things on TikTok have all had death threats before from sharing like hiking trails or even spots in national parks that people just think that shouldn't be online. So it can be scary and it can be a lot of to deal with. So yeah, having those mental blockers and like the barriers between how I engage with things. Like if you mention me on a TikTok video, I will never know because I do not look at the mentions. So things like that. And you just have to have the sort of walls up to protect your
0: sanity. I mean, I'm so sorry that's happened. That's something that I'm totally not aware of because I'm not in the travel like space at all. So that's a very interesting thing to hear about. And I'm so sorry. How do you hold boundaries for yourself? Do you have any like phone limits for yourself or anything that you do to take care of yourself? I definitely struggle with that because I'm a workaholic, but
1: yeah, I have, as I mentioned, like I don't look at mentions. I have gotten really bad at answering Instagram DMs because it's just like one more thing that I just like can't mentally handle all the time. So I do find myself engaging on those platforms a little bit less as a user. But yeah, I have like phone limits. Like I even to emails, like I don't answer emails every day. And you probably noticed in my email signature, it says I will not get back to you within the next 72 hours. So having like little things we like that, that. I know. Do people always like honor that? No. But having this more space and time to kind of process things, we live in such an immediate world. But Things don't need to be immediate. You don't need to be consuming and on all the time. So, just trying to set more of those boundaries. I have a locker in my living room that I put my computer in at the end of every day. And once it's in there, it doesn't come back out. So, just little things like that really help me like keep the boundaries there for my own mental
0: health. I love that. I love a physical boundary. Like, yes, (laughs) putting your phone to bed or putting your computer in the locker. I think that's great. I just want to apologize if you all can hear. Someone moved in upstairs yesterday. So they're like pounding around. So I would love to switch gears just a little bit. I want to talk about blogging because I think it's really important. I mean, a lot of our audience right now is probably listening. We have a maker oriented audience, product-based business owners, and then we have service-based business owners, anywhere from witches to healers to people who are doing content creation, all sorts of things. So, I mean, I think blogging is really applicable for everyone listening And I think you do a really great job about it. And I would love to hear, first of all, why are you still blogging? Well, it's the backbone of our business and it's how
1: we make all of our money. So people think blogging is dead, but it's actually how we're able to support our entire business and our team. And there's so much money. Like Right now I'm making money on this podcast interview with you because the blog is just set up to Make passive income streams, but they're really like not passive anymore because they're like the main form. I think that gets confusing to people when they hear passive income streams sounds like you're just making twenty dollars here and there, but we're making like a hundred thousand dollars a year from blogging two hundred thousand dollars, you know, depending on how the year goes, so that's why we still blog. I also really love to write like I wrote books as a kid, they're terrible, but like I've always enjoyed writing, so having a place where I can write 6,000 words and really share about a topic. It just makes me really happy.
0: So it works out that way. So let's talk about the revenue. So how are you making money blogging? Are you pitching companies to write blog posts? Are you using like banner ads? Are you using affiliate links? Tell us a little bit more about that revenue stream breakdown.
1: Yeah, well, all three, but mostly we use a company called Mediavine, which is an ad banner service. There's others out there like Zoic and Ad Thrive, but they put banner ads on our website, and those are constantly making money. Granted, it's different. Like this is what February Q1, the RPMs are so much lower than they were in December, so that really fluctuates. Like it's
0: a by RPM for our audience.
1: Oh, an RPM. That's yeah. basically like how much money you're making per like thousand views. So. Like it can be anywhere from like a $20 RPM to a $60 RPM. So it's not as stable as you want it to be. Like this month, January will be our lowest that we've made this year, but it'll just keep climbing until we get closer to Christmas this year. But at the same time, it's great because we are having that baseline of revenue. It's really hard when you're a creator and you never know how much money you're going to make the next month if you're all relying on brands coming to you. Especially after the pandemic, we are supposed to sign a contract that would have covered our rent for the entire year on March 16th, the day that the world shut down. So that got yanked back right away. And thankfully we had our passive income streams with affiliates and the banner ads already set up. So we were fine, but if we didn't, we would have been royally fucked. <laughs> like we wouldn't have been able to pay our bills. So having those income streams set up just to make sure you can survive is really, really important.
0: So those banner ads. So you just add them to your site, and then do you get paid per click or paid per conversion or both? How does that work?
1: Yeah, I mean, like it's pay per view, and you also get paid for clicks. And there's a lot pay-per-view of per technical... view, even even if yeah. just people
0: land on your site and they see it.
1: Exactly. So, and I'm not like manually inputting that in there. These services do that all themselves. It's very complicated algorithms. I just log in every day and see like, oh, I made four hundred dollars today, yay! Or like, oh, only two hundred today because it's a low month. So it's just kind of that's how I go about it. But it's really great because I don't have to think about inserting like a Google ad code into a post. So it's really nice. They just kind of take care of it for you.
0: So the idea is that the more that you're blogging, the more pages that you have and the more opportunity for someone to see these ads. Is that what you're saying? Yeah. And
1: I feel like that has really also given back like the freedom to be a creator at its best form because I felt like when we're making money via brand deals. Like our clients were actually brands. Like we wanted them to be real people, but like at the end of the day, they were our clients. So that changes the way you make content and it can change the way you talk about things. Like I have no qualms, like being really political or calling brands out on like unethical things now. But you know, three years ago, I would have probably held a lot of that back because brands you know, won't want to work with you if you're that girl who's like being really loud about things. And now it doesn't really matter because I can still make money. So it just helps, you know, shape the way that you can approach your business a little bit. And yeah, like even if I can't get a post sponsored, it's fine. As long as our audience still likes it in some sort of way I can monetize it. And it just makes it a better experience for everybody at the end.
0: So awesome. And I like this idea of passive income and having a backbone to just, or like a, a base pay. Yeah. So you can like build on top of that and like be a little bit less scarce or just trying to like <laughs> spend all your time like pitching brands. So that's awesome. I want to talk about SEO then too. So like, how do you get your blog seen by people? I mean, SEO, and that took years and years
1: of trial and error. Um, I've taken various workshops and read materials all the time. Google is constantly changing with updates. So I'm a part of a few different blogger Facebook groups where everyone just talks about it all the time. So you can kind of be aware of what's happening, what you're going to have to change with your strategy in the next few months. But yeah, like knowing how to actually do SEO correctly is like everything. And a lot of people think they know how to do it correctly. I definitely thought I did for a while, but not at all. So most of our traffic is organic inbound. We have about 20% of our traffic is return users, but mostly it's just people who find us on Google searches. So it's a very powerful skill to know if you can do it right.
0: Can you give our audience like a quick and dirty, like three tips for SEO? Find a really good, like keywords, like key
1: search tool, because what you think people are searching for probably isn't what they actually are searching for. Invest in workshops to teach you skills and then find some Facebook group, so you can be learning that way, I think is a great place to start. That's super
0: helpful. Okay, let's talk about your team too. So, what does your team look like today? Tell okay. us a little bit about building your business.
1: Yeah. So, last year we hired some freelance writers, which was like a really big step, and we've been working towards that for a while. So, Robin works with me full time. So, we're the only two full time staff, but we have four contributing writers who write posts one to three a month. And then we also have other various freelancers. So some VAs for like Pinterest and other things. We have a great PR person who helps us with that. And of course, we also have our CPA slash accountants and lawyers that we work with too. So we have like a whole team of people who help us get stuff done. Otherwise, I would explode. So yeah.
0: (laughs) What was it like hiring your person outside you and Robin?
1: Really scary. Like, I've never been a boss to anyone in that sort of way. Like, in offices, I always had people like managing me. So, I've never really managed people. So, that was a big learning curve. I did have the ability to hire two people I knew before. So, that helped kind of bridge that gap a little bit. And I could like be very transparent with them and be like, hey, like, tell me if I'm doing this wrong. So, that was helpful. I definitely leaned on them to help me learn how to be a good boss. But Yeah. It took a lot of time to figure out how to make that work in my schedule and how to make sure they have what they need, but it's been really good so far. And we're actually planning on hiring more people this year. So definitely
0: needed a little trial run first. That's so exciting. How did you know that you were ready to hire someone?
1: Well, having like consistent ad banner revenue is a big part of it. And we kind of really identified that in order to do the rapid growth that we really want. We just need more voices on the blog. Like I can't be writing all the blog posts um, because I would explode. I don't have enough time. And just like where we want our business to go, we just needed more hands-on for that. So it was a lot of like planning and like forecasting and, you know, mood boarding where we want our business to be. And then it was really just having the right financial backing for it. Cause I wanted to hire people like three years ago, but I just like knew I couldn't have the consistent revenue. So we can finally got to the point where we had consistent revenue.
0: Awesome. And so you're hiring more people this year. What does that look like?
1: Very different because now we have identified different roles we need. Like I'm on the hunt for a managing editor to manage like blog posts. So if anyone's listening to that knows of anyone, let me know. So just other skills to help with things. And then we're also hiring some more writers too, to cover different sort of niches that nobody else has. I really like finding people who have a different voice than I has a different view on the world because I feel like our readers deserve not just my point of view, like
0: other people's point of view too. We'll just take a quick break to hear from our sponsors. We spend so much of our lives online. Does that time you spend on the internet feel replenishing and restorative? Make the most of your time in the limitless space that is the internet and learn something new about things that actually matter to you. Engage with your creativity and learn more about music in a new kind of online class. In Kelsey's Play Piano Anywhere, you can learn about your favorite songs and styles of music. No piano required. Opt into creativity and play by following along with the online class Play Piano Anywhere on a piano app, on your phone, or other devices. It's like rock band for adults, except you'll actually be able to play a song by the end of it. Head to KelseyPlaysPiano.com slash PPA to learn more about learning piano with Kelsey and use the code GGC for Girl Gang Craft for a juicy discount. This class is the perfect solution for folks looking to write off continued education or spending a creative development stipend. Go to KelseyPlaysPiano.com slash PPA or the link in the show notes and use the code GGC to try something new and make music just for fun. Okay, let's talk about brand partnerships too. So, I mean, you've already talked about how banners have been sort of the base of your business, but I assume you also lean on brand partnerships. Can you tell us a little bit about that process?
1: Yeah. Well, we're really proud that we don't lean on them very much anymore. We're very selective about the brands that we take on. For example, in 2019, I actually just know this because I had pulled these numbers for a business insider interview. We worked with 72 brands in 2019 in 2021, we worked with 10. So we really cut back on what we're doing. And that hurt financially up front because we weren't having all of that. But in the end, it helped us increase the amount of like blog posts we're having and build a team. And in the long run, that was able to help us like scale our business in a different way. But yeah, when we are working with brands now, usually it's either like long-term clients that we are working with like again and again. So we have a few partners and like Grove Collaborative that we just like have been working with on and off for a few years, which is great because I know them, I know how they like to work, vice versa. So it's really easy, like a good relationship there. Otherwise it's brands usually that reach out to me now. I used to do a lot of pitching back in the day, but now because of our business model has shifted it a little bit, I'm not pitching quite as much.
0: I love that sort of that complete shift. I think that's so cool. What advice would you have for people who are starting to pitch though? Do you have any advice about that process or maybe yeah. getting over the fear about putting yourself in front of brands? Oh my God. I mean,
1: like you just have to ask, you know, cause you're not going to get money if you never ask for it. But something that really was a game changer was in a friend told me how to use yet another mail merge. AKA YAM, but have you ever heard of that tool? Mm -mm. You're going to want it. It's a free extension from like Google Chrome. I think they have a paid version if you use it a lot, but it's like $10 a month. And basically you can make a spreadsheet of like the brand, the email, the contact. You can even like code it. It's very easy, like for a personal message. So you can email like a hundred brands at once with the same script and this program will automatically swap out the personal Wow. like field. Cause I used to manually be like, okay, like I have 15 brands I want to pitch today. I have to swap out. Hi, Ashley. Hi, Jessica, stuff like that. And this thing will just do it automatically for you. And Whoa. then you can track how they open it, who didn't open it, you know, who you have to follow up with. And that was definitely really helpful to figure out, you know, who's interested in it, and I need to just email them again, who wasn't interested at all. So that's a really helpful tool. I highly recommend.
0: That's awesome. Any other advice about like having a pitch deck or, you know, like structuring your pricing or anything?
1: Yeah. I mean, I never share the rates off the bat. I think that's really important to like hold the cards there and really understand like if you are working with someone having a flexible sliding scale to like how that campaign is going to fall out. Because I think so many times brands are like, oh, it's an Instagram post. What's your rate for an Instagram post? And they're like, okay, but like, are you going to use the content somewhere? do you need this tomorrow or can we take a month to make it? Like it's all these sort of things that are kind of sliding. Are you looking for one feed post? Are you looking for a carousel or like, it's all this stuff you kind of have to take into mind. And we don't really have like a set rate for anything. It's kind of just, we have a few rates that we piece together and we're like, this feels like an accurate fair price. And like, honestly, sometimes if the brand is like really mean to me or just like not the most pleasant in an email, like Maybe I know that I need to charge a little more to like justify working for them because my piece is like more important than any paycheck at the end of the day, so I think that's just important as like knowing your worth and charging more and understanding the time it's going to take you to do things is really definitely important,
0: yeah, I like that too, and like you know knowing that bigger brands will have a bigger budget and maybe a smaller brand that you love, like maybe you offer them a little bit less and keeping in mind the use rights and how many posts, et cetera, et cetera. I think that's really good advice too. I think people want to have sort of the, I think even brands expect you to have this like da, 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 da menu situation. And like, yeah,
1: it's hard. (laughs) It's like, sometimes you have to like tell them like da, 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 da. But I usually always say things like starting at, so if later they're like, JK, we want, you know, 10 extra images to put on billboards. you can be like, okay, like, remember when I said it was starting at $3,000 now it's 10,000, like whatever. So having that language and not fully committing to everything definitely helps a little bit. But yeah, in terms of pricing yourself, I tell this to my girlfriends all the time who are creators, like channel your inner white man, like your inner white Chad, like thinks he's worth way more than he is because you'll be surprised by the times that you start just throwing out really big numbers. And those are the times when they're like, yeah, sure. And I'm like, wait, I could have been doing this the entire time. So I know it's like hard and scary sometimes when you think you're overpricing yourself, but the worst thing is they'll just tell you you're overpriced and then you can reneg- renegotiate from there. But all the time that I see like peers way underpricing themselves and I want you to get that coin. So just channel your inner white dude and start adding a couple of zeros onto things if you can.
0: Yeah. I love that so much. I mean, yeah, sometimes it's just about like shouting out a number that seems scary to you and then they'll say, yes. It's just wild. (laughs)
1: It's wild. I know a great piece of advice that a friend gave me once. pick the number that sounds like really out there, but still reasonable. And then like add a little bit to it. So, you know, if you think "Mm, maybe I can charge 5,000, ask them for six. And like, that's how you kind of get comfortable with asking for more money. And I'm a big believer in working on fewer, higher paying projects. So you have just more free time for other aspects of your business. So that's another thing to keep in mind too.
0: I think that's great. Okay. Well, let's hop into that right now. You have, again, this banner background, you have some brand partnerships. What else is the structure of your business? What drives you? How do you decide to post if you're not working for any brands or the man? What, what are you sharing with the world? I mean,
1: I'm a type three Virgo. So I have like just an well, internal fire. Hey girl, so you get it. Actually, a lot of (laughs) content creators are type threes. So it's never really a problem for me to come up with ideas. If anything, I have like too many ideas. So I have a business coach who helps me like figure out what I should be posting every month to align with what's happening with the world. So that's very helpful. We also have team meetings like once a month to kind of plot out what we want to be sharing. And that helps me figure out what we should be focusing on that month. But sometimes I'll just make something like a video and I'm like, you know what, this is fun. And I just want to share it today. So sometimes it's very off the cuff, but I try to be a little more planned with what's happening in the world for like holidays and trends and other things.
0: So how do you plan your time? Like, how do you plan your week? Do you normally go into your week knowing what's happening or do you listen to your gut or
1: (laughs) that is like changing a lot so for a while I was really into like the witchy woo -woo side where I'm like I'm just going to go with whatever like my intuition tells me that day and I definitely think that's really important when you're doing creative things especially as a woman because depending on your menstrual cycle is like the hormones like actually change how creative you are and what you're wanting to work on so I definitely try to utilize that to plan or like my super creative weeks around like the right type of hormones pumping through my body. But that doesn't always work when you want to like move yourself forward. So it's been a bounce of me to try to figure out like a more rigid schedule to help make sure things happen on time versus giving myself enough room where if I'm really not feeling like writing that day, I'm not going to push myself out. I can do something else. So sometimes it's like having your plan A and then like a plan B in case that doesn't quite work out.
0: What do you do for fun when you're not working?
1: Well, I love hiking. I go kayaking a couple times a week in the South Salido Bay. My husband, Robin likes to cook. So we'll like eat his food and like, you know, make big dinners around that. Yeah. Some friends, we really like just hang out and like watch movies or go to the park and like drink wine. So that's usually what I'm doing <laughs> when I'm not working.
0: Great. Okay. Let's talk about body inclusivity. That's a big part of your mission. And I recently watched your video about you going to Rome for six months. I also spent time in Florence for six months. So I get it. And just sort of having this realization. Well, I'll let you say it in your own words. You want to tell us about that little video?
1: Yeah. So for everyone listening, I studied abroad in college in Rome for six months. And I had posted this. It was originally on TikTok. Then I posted it to Instagram. One of the, I stitched it. Some guys like, tell me like when you we're finally able to like had a big step forward in your like your food relationship journey. And a big step for me was after that trip because on that trip, I discovered Nutella was a thing. I got to eat like fresh Parmesan Reggiano every day, like tortellini and just like pesto and like all the delicious Italian foods. And I gained like 30 pounds. I didn't notice it while I was on there, but afterwards I came back and I was like, oh, I gained a lot of weight. And I had this whole moment where it's like, oh no, like all the internal fat phobia, But then my overarching feeling from that was like, it was so worth it. Like the food was so worth it. So that was video is basically just about how that helped me really have a better relationship with food because I don't know, I think food is love and food is joy and uh, especially Italian food. So that was a really great step, but it doesn't have to be the enemy. It can actually be this thing because my experience would have been totally different if I refused to eat any of that food because I was fearing a couple pounds on my body, I would have been miserable and not engaging with the culture. It would have been like, why are you in Italy if you're not going to have the fresh olives? You know what I mean? So yeah, it was a really great, great step.
0: And how has been your relationship with your body and food and sharing fashion with the world? You know, does it switch all the time? Have you sort of kept that good relationship? What has been that like for you?
1: Oh, I'm like very happily in a body neutral standpoint. I've been for probably six or seven
0: years. Can you uh, tell us what that means? A body
1: oh, uh, body positivity is more of kind of like the journey and like the embracing it. But body neutral is where like, it's just not something you think about at all. So like, I've never really honestly thinking about my body. Sometimes I'm like, shit, I need to stretch more because my back hurts. But like, that's about like the limit of it. It's not like, You know, talking to the mirror, being like, oh, love your thighs today, Kara. It's just like, oh, they're just thighs. So, like, that's the end goal I hope everyone can get to is being like, this is just a body. It's just a meat shell for my soul. So, like, we're trying to get people to that. A meat (laughs) shell. That is actually another thing that has helped me in my journey. So, I did a lot of that internal work before I started blogging and a little bit of it actively while I was like at the beginnings of sharing body positive stuff, you know, 2016 ish was like kind of on the tail end of my personal journey, I don't think I would have been able to talk about these topics in college, like right after I went to Italy, but I definitely had to go through that myself so I can then talk about it, if that makes sense.
0: And how do you continue to talk about that in your work? What is that sort of sharing process like?
1: Yeah, I mean, it's hard sometimes because sometimes I feel like my Instagram community wants for me is just like swimsuit photos and talking about that phobia. And there's a lot more to me than just talking about that. And one of the strategies has actually been hiring freelance writers who can talk about that. So it's not always on me to be like, you know, love your curves today. Like I will always post those for you guys, but I would rather talk about other things sometimes. So that has definitely helped. yeah, sometimes the roadblocks are like, today I want to share a cool hike I did, but I know a mental health post will probably do better on Instagram. And it's just trying to weigh like, what do you post that day? And that can be a little annoying sometimes. Whenever I post body positive stuff, people always send me these really nice messages. So I know they're really important. So trying to find the balance is definitely, I think, something I'm actively working on, to be honest.
0: Mm, That's beautiful. Yeah. A little bit more about this, like understanding what your audience wants and like if posts are going to do really well, and how do you manage that? How do you manage all, what should I post today? Are they going to like it? Do you care about your numbers? how do you manage all those emotions or thoughts? I oh.
1: mean, now that we've pivoted the way our business like, makes money, like I don't care about the numbers much at all anymore. Like I'm not like, being like, holy shit, I need X amount of likes on something, which is great. It's very freeing. At the same time, then there's almost like, too many possibilities of the things I can share, so it can get a little hard. We have a content calendar that I try to stick to, and I try to switch between travel and fashion and you know, recipes and beauty and trying to make sure there's a nice mix of both. Yeah, trying to plan is the best I can do. But sometimes, I don't know, like, I will just feel that there's a trend. I'm feeling in the air on social media where people are having really bad weeks for whatever reason. And then I decide to quickly pivot the type of stuff that I do to meet the needs of what the community wants. But sometimes I post things that I don't think they're necessarily going to like, but I need to post it for myself. So that's also important too, because otherwise I'd probably hate my job. So there's definitely a lot of things where I post because I'm really proud of that photo or like, I think that blog post was a really great emotional piece that I wrote. So sometimes it's sharing things, even if there's no ROI, except your own soul, basically.
0: Mm, The ROI of your own soul. I love that.
1: It's It's early. I'm so eloquent. Okay. What is next
0: for you? Where do you see your vision going in the next few years?
1: Well, Robin and I actually just started a second blog because we're crazy. Mm -hmm. So that's something we're working. It's called soul homesteading, soul homesteading.com. There's only like seven posts on there right now, but that one is very much on like urban homesteading, foraging, like wild plants and mushrooms, really like recipe focused. He grows tomatoes in our kitchen. Somehow he managed that. So it's a lot of more like green thumb, foraging nature sort of stuff. So that is something we're also building up actively. But yeah, I hope for Women's Be Soul to bring a lot more voices in it. I'd love, you know, in a few years to have like five to 10 different women who are sharing their stories and making meaningful content. Every day, there's something new and fun for you to read. So that's kind of our long-term goal, which it'll take a while to get there, but I know we will get there. Love that. Okay, well, where can people find you, Kara? WhimsySoul.com is our blog. Instagram is at the whimsy soul. TikTok is just at whimsy soul Pinterest as well, but those are the main guys.
0: Any last advice for content creators and makers and entrepreneurs who are just trying to navigate it all and having their head go in so many different directions. Any last advice on how to sort of focus in and build your revenue and build your audience?
1: Yeah. I mean, it's, two main things is one, like really learning how to put the blinders on, because I hear a lot people think that, you know, their Instagram posts are supposed to look one way or being an influencer or a small business owner looks a certain way because they saw it online. Like, maybe it should look like that for you, but maybe not. When I talk to people about how we like have cut off most of our brand deals, usually I'm like, people are like, holy shit, you did what? Like, that's not what an influencer looks like, but it works. Because it makes us money. So the second part is what is actually making you money? What do you like doing? And like, where do those intersect? So it doesn't matter if blogging doesn't work for 99% of the other influencers out there, like it works for us. And I like doing it. So really soul searching and looking at the hard numbers, and not what other people are doing is like, where are you are going
0: to find that success. Well, thank you so much, Kara. This has been an absolute pleasure. Yay. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you so much for listening to the Girl Gang Craft podcast. Head to com slash podcast for show notes and more. See you next time.